Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. We're continuing to break down what is happening, what has happened in Afghanistan over the last 72 hours and how it continues to unfold, what that means for us here at home, what it means for those that are still in Afghanistan, and of course, with our allies around the world. And so we're going to break down just a little bit uh, some of the president's remarks from yesterday. And we've we've had some just some fascinating perspective. If you missed that last segment with John Smith, we were just talking about how do you have the conversation with members of the military, our veterans who served in Afghanistan. And I I think the most important thing is to recognize that they are going through all kinds of emotions in terms of their experience there in Afghanistan. And so rather than pressing them for some, you know, instant analysis of of what it all meant or could mean or should have meant or should have been, uh, instead we should just express our gratitude and our thankfulness for all of those women and men who regularly say, I'm in uh, and I'm willing to stand up and do what my country needs me to do. And uh, that, that that is no small thing. And I think we need to, to think that through a little bit. Uh, as we look at the president's role in this, uh, if you missed earlier, again, you can go to the kslpodcast.com. Uh, we had Amos Giora from the University of Utah, a great friend of the show, who always gives us such important insight on that part of the world. Uh, go back and listen to that. Uh, he uh, dialed in from uh, Jerusalem, just outside Jerusalem where uh, he is living. And I, I asked him, you know, what's the one thing that we really need to take out of all of this? And his perspective was was pretty stunning and pretty simple, uh, that the U.S. continues to completely misunderstand or not understand at all that region of the world, how it functions, how people live, how they view each other, how they view us. And we have to get that perspective. It goes back to the conversation we had and and shared yesterday with my interview with uh, H.R. McMaster, former national security advisor. We've had, and I think we continue to have, a very narcissistic view of the world. And that people are going to respond the way we think they will respond to whatever America does. And as we've learned over and over again, that's not quite how it works, especially in the Middle East, in places like Afghanistan and other places around the world where we think they, they'll they just follow and react to what we do. And they don't because it's different. And so we have to have a little bit more of what H.R. McMaster called strategic empathy in terms of trying to understand what is it that drives this group of people or that group of people, what motivates them, what do they value, uh, what matters most, and then how do we speak. I, I always tell leaders that when we communicate, we tend to communicate in a way that makes sense to us. But the only thing that matters is can you communicate in a way that makes sense to whoever you're talking to? And I think as a country in terms of our foreign policy, we've got to change the way we communicate. We tend to communicate in a U.S.-centric way that makes sense to us. And the only thing that matters 
when it comes to all of these things is can we communicate in a way that will make sense to the people we're interacting with, whether that's the uh, Afghanistan military, whether it's the uh, political leaders, the people themselves, our partners, uh, those who have stood beside us. Uh, we we got to communicate different and better, and it requires us to have strategic empathy, uh, not strategic narcissism. I think that's an important principle that we've all got to think through today. Uh, I, I have found it a little bit surprising and a little disappointing, to be honest, that uh, since the fall of, of Kabul, uh, President Biden has not spoken to any of our allies. That's that's fairly stunning to me. Uh, in a in a war that has been going on for 20 years, where uh, allies have been part of that whole process, I mean, you would think there would at least have been a call uh, with Great Britain to say, this is where we think we are, this is what we think is next, uh, but nothing. I mean, the Prime Minister of Great Britain called Parliament back into session to have a conversation about Afghanistan. Uh, our, both houses of Congress are out of session this week. And the President did not call them back, nor did he ask the Majority Leader Chuck Schumer to call the Senate back in or for the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, to call members back into session to have a conversation. Uh, That's a missed opportunity in my view. Uh, That's not leadership in my view. Uh, You can't just make a speech and head back to Camp David. That sends a message. And in all the conversations we've had today, it's those messages uh, often the unintended messages that I think are getting us into trouble. Uh, and again, I think it's it's stunning uh, that the White House confirmed that they have not spoken with any of our allies since the fall of Kabul. Uh, that's inexcusable to me. That sends a horrible message. Again, when we were talking uh, with Amos Giora from the University of Utah, again, living in, in Israel, he, he, he talked about those those messages and what needs to be sent. Uh, and the fact that we're, we're just misunderstanding so many things uh, that we we just don't seem to be, to be getting at all. Uh, so I want to go through just a couple quick things as it relates to the president's speech from yesterday. Uh, and let's start with uh, the fact that the president said he did not want to pass this war on to future presidents. I'm now the fourth American president to preside over war in Afghanistan two Democrats and two Republicans. I will not pass this responsibly on, responsibility on to a fifth president. I will not mislead the American people by claiming that just a little more time in Afghanistan will make all the difference. Nor will I shrink from my share of responsibility for where we are today and how we must move forward from here. I am president of the United States of America, and the buck stops with me. And so while uh, I do commend the president for saying that the buck stops with him, uh, the vast majority of the speech uh, was anything but uh, buck stopping. Uh, It was more shoulder shrugging and uh, finger pointing uh, from everything, from everything from uh, leaders in Afghanistan to our allies to everything in between. Uh, Former presidents uh, that he just said he wouldn't, you know, pass on to the next uh, and so those are those are mixed messages, and uh, again, mixed messages always create confusion. Uh, 
rather than clarity. Uh, it was the one thing that uh, Amos Giora said that I thought was so poignant. He said, if I'm an ally of the United States in the, the Middle East, uh, I now have to be worried about how big of an ally they really are and can we really count on the Americans in the future when things get tough and how will they exit if they exit and uh, all of those things are just again crucial questions I don't care where you fall on the issue uh, I think a lot of people agree yeah it's it's time to move on it's time to make that transition how we do things matter and again we have to look at beyond just the immediate what are the long-term ramifications how does uh, how does Russia respond to this? How does China respond to this? How does North Korea respond to this? Uh, all of those are part of a calculus. And uh, one of the other things from uh, Professor Giora that I wanted to come back to was uh, the failure of intelligence. And, you know, the question I kept asking yesterday in the midst of the president's speech was, who is staffing the president? Uh, staffing is such an important part. What information the president gets, how he gets it, and can he rely on it and trust it uh, makes such a big, big difference. Uh, and so I think we've got to rethink, again, some of those things. And um, just want to go real quick uh, to uh, to the president uh, yesterday talking about the withdrawal and just the speed which it took place. I stand squarely behind my decision. After 20 years... I've learned the hard way that there was never a good time to withdraw U.S. forces. That's why we're still there. I always promised the American people that I will be straight with you. The truth is, this did unfold more quickly than we had anticipated. Okay, I don't think it was surprising to, uh, to anyone who'd been on the ground or in the meetings or had observed what was going on. Uh, and so, again, there's there's still more questions than answers as it relates to uh, what has been unfolding. But my bigger question is, is what comes next? How do we process it? How do we position ourselves for it? And how do we honor and uphold the commitments we've made to those who have stood with us uh, in that part of the world? We're going to step aside for a bottom of the hour break. When we come back, Sim Gill's going to join us. We're going to talk about some criminal justice reform efforts coming up next. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.